Welcome to APTA's Pulse Podcast. I'm Amelia Sullivan. As the Director of Student Counseling Services at Marymount University, Laura Finkelstein spends a lot of time talking to students who feel stressed, anxious, and burned out. And that feeling isn't limited to students. In this episode, Laura reminds listeners that to best care for your patients and clients, now or in the future, you need to care for yourself first. She also shares ways to manage and alleviate those challenging feelings through self-care or by utilizing services like the ones her and her staff provide on college campuses across America. Here's our conversation with Laura. So Laura, let's start by having you tell us about your current role and your career background. Currently, I am the director of Marymount University's Student Counseling Services. Um, So we're a, a pretty small counseling center that serves uh, Marymount University's student body, um, you know, providing individual counseling and group counseling. Um, My background is in college counseling. I've been at four other universities um, in their counseling centers in different capacities. Um, My my degree is a PhD in counseling psychology. Um, And my focus over the years has really been – narrowed down into college populations and college transitions. I also do a lot of work on relationships and breakups and sort of corresponding feelings after breakups. And, um, of course, you know, being at a university college counseling center, you, um, you're sort of a have to be ready to deal with a lot of different concerns. So we see a lot of anxiety and depression, and so those are things that I focus on a lot as well. So you and I were introduced because I learned that you give a talk about mental health and counseling services to PT students at Marymount University at the start of each school year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, we've done different things year to year. Um, I know, you know, with our PT students, what we see a lot of is just a a ton of stress, which... um, is really normal given given the the demands of their programs, and then we see that stress sort of turn into anxiety, and that's when we want to be aware of it and catch it more. So that's when you know things are just really interfering. You know when the symptoms are really interfering with daily life and relationships. You know students who can't sleep or who are up all night studying and sort of not functioning in a day-to-day way. So those are the types of things that that we would give in a talk like that. Um, Just, you know, we're wanting students to be aware of what they might notice, what might be warning signs um, that that they could, you know, probably benefit from some help and that that things don't always have to be this way. I think what happens a lot with our really highly motivated students and our PT students in particular is they've been so rewarded for – you know, kind of rewarded for the anxiety over a lifetime because that anxiety has meant that they get all their, you know, work done really well and they're sort of overachieving. So it's very normal for students like that to just think, um, okay, well, this is just part of the college experience. But then it really, you know, can sneak up on on students, on everyone really. Um, And when we're feeling like really worn down or – just you know not feeling joy in our lives those are those are things that really shouldn't be normal and so we want students to be aware of that 
so so that's part of what I would talk about as well as just our resources here. You know, we I sometimes see students at the end of their academic career and they say, oh, you know, we never knew that the Counseling Center was here. And um, it is here and it's on almost all, if not all, um, college campuses in the country, usually a free or very um, inexpensive resource. So we want students to know at the beginning of their academic career that we're here and we're ready, you know, to help with with whatever comes up for them. So something I've heard from students and new grads is that burnout is a real thing. And like you also mentioned, stress, anxiety, depression, these are all things affecting the PT profession. So my question to you is, is this just part of the territory when it comes to a profession like this? And does going into and being part of a health profession have to be this way? It's a really good question. Um, it does not have to be that way. And and I think, um, yeah, there is a tendency for all of us, and I, you know, obviously come coming from a similar background to feel like, um, oh, maybe this is just part of it. You know, we're giving ourselves so much to other people and we're high achieving, so maybe we sort of lose a little bit of ourselves um, in that. But it really doesn't have to be that way. And I've seen – and I know that because I've seen people go through these programs and not, you know, and not get burnt out, as well as people kind of approaching burnout and then really taking a deliberate, um, deliberate steps to avoid it and seeing things change for them. Um, so yes, there are higher percentages in in these helping profession uh, of um, burnout, but it doesn't have to be that way. And and I want to say that I hope it isn't that way for people, and I hope that they realize that it doesn't, you know, that there are other options. Now for a quick break. Trusted brands, real value. Did you know that APTA members have access to special offers and discounts of up to 50% from several well-known brands? Visit APTA.org value programs to learn more. That's APTA.org value programs. And now let's return to the show. So I'm interested to hear what your tips and advice would be to someone who is currently experiencing anxiety, stress, burnout, depression, and um, the same for those people who may not be experiencing it now, but kind of signs that they can recognize that maybe it's coming on. So, I mean, one of the basic things that I do with with a lot of clients is um, some skills around just feelings and and recognizing what feelings you're having and being able to understand them and label them. Um, it often sounds like kind of a, a basic thing that, that people assume they know, but really we're, we're not that good at labeling and identifying our feelings, and that allows us to work on them. So, you know, if I'm upset, it's helpful to know am I sad? Am I anxious? Am I, um, can I pinpoint sort of what led to this feeling to just have more literacy around our feelings so that we can then address it in a specific way? Um, often, you know, I see students who, they something is not feeling good, but they don't know exactly what it is. And they'll say that when we first meet, like, um, I, I don't know what I'm here, why I'm here. You know, I, I'm not feeling great, but I'm not sure why. So the first step is is identifying that together and helping helping students and clients identify that for themselves. Um, then we would just sort of target whatever it might be. So, you know, I like to think of things that are internal versus environmental. So starting off kind of broadly environmentally, are there things that 
just basic behaviors that we might be able to change to reduce whatever negative feelings you're having. So that might be um, getting into a better sleep uh, regimen, getting into healthy eating habits. Um, you know, are there professors that you can talk to about changing things with assignments, um, it's more like external factors? Um, because sometimes there really are things that can change in that realm to to make things kind of environmentally better. Once we've looked at that, um, we would focus more sort of internally, like how to regulate these feelings. So um, I'll use anxiety and panic as an example because those are things that um, that we see a lot of. So with panic, there's some uh, pretty simple like breathing exercises that that we can teach and meditative exercises we can teach so that um, students can regulate that more for themselves. So They've, let's say they've identified the external factor and it's not going to change. That's, you know, getting a big assignment. Then they've checked in with themselves and, and located the feeling, and that might be panic. And then we work on the skills for minimizing the panic when it, um, when it comes up, and that would be the deep breathing, um, the meditations. Uh, another thing that I use with almost all my clients at one time or another is um, kind of identifying irrational thinking patterns um, and working on changing those. That's such a common, we all as humans do these things, but that often leads to anxiety and depression. So an example would be um, you get a bad grade on your test and your next thought is, um, well, that means I'm going to fail out of school and I'll never get a job and my life will be horrible. Um, and so that those are examples of cognitive errors because that's really not true, right? It's not like just because you fail a test, all those things will happen. But our mind just in an instant goes there and then we feel really upset. So there's a difference between, you know, if we have those cognitive errors, we feel badly. But if we can locate them and make it a more rational thought like, okay, you know, I failed this test, that wasn't great, you know, what can I do about it now so that I do better on my next test? We have a completely different emotional experience. Um, so helping students to really try and figure out what kinds of thought errors they're making consistently and um, help them to, to change those. The students who make it into PT and PTA school are high achieving. So do you feel like the students you're seeing in your office are experiencing these feelings for the first time or at a new level, and maybe that's why they're having such trouble navigating or coping with them? That's a good question. Um, I would say it's a mix. I think when, when they come into my office, it's usually because the anxiety has reached a heightened level that is unmanageable. But then if we kind of explore, you know, looking back, has this been a pattern in the past? Usually there's some sense of like, oh, yeah, you know, when I was in high school, I, I tended to get anxious about school too, but um, but it's just gotten so much worse recently. So that's usually the kind of thing I hear. That makes sense. I guess I was asking, is there this feeling had by some students because their programs are so demanding and this is a new level of intensity, especially considering many of these students have been straight-A students and never really struggled in school, and now they're in a situation where everyone is at that level. Okay, so let's talk to the person who's in it right now, feeling anxious, stressed, burnout, 
and hasn't made the leap towards counseling services yet or feels a little unsure about it, what would be your insight for them? So the first thing that I want to say, um, and I think we've talked about this throughout, but it's it's normal what you're going through. Um, and it's very typical. You know, I, I think it's easy to feel like I'm the only one who is this anxious about it or I'm the only one who can't really handle this. When in reality, you know, we see so many students from these programs and I always just want to say this is normal and this is typical. So, um, you know, if that's something that is, you know, sometimes we have shame around feeling abnormal and that can prevent us from just acknowledging that, yeah, something's going on. Um, you know, it's it's not good or bad. It's just a, a thing that's happening. And, um, you know, are there ways that I can get support around this? Um, the second thing I would say is that if you haven't been to counseling before, um, you know, almost every student I see says at some point, um, wow, this, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought or this isn't kind of what I thought it would be. So if you're not um, – you know, if you hold some stigma around counseling, I would say that um, it, you know, it really is just another person with some expertise in a room trying to listen and understand and help you figure out um, how to get support. So it's while intimidating beforehand, I think um, the process actually doesn't have to feel that way when you're here, and it tends to not. Um, and it just, you know, it can help. Just really simply, it can help. So if you're suffering, um, you don't have to, to go on suffering with, uh, you know, with no change. Um, you can, you know, hopefully try to reach out to some counseling services and and get that support. And, you know, finally, I'll say that I think people sometimes feel like, well, it has to get, like, really, really bad before I would see a therapist. Um, also not the case. We see students, you know, for such a range of issues. Some students come in and they say, you know, like, I'm actually doing okay. I just kind of want to talk something through, uh, you know, all the way to more, much more severe situations. So um, we are prepared and, you know, eager to support our students at, you know, wherever they're at in these processes. And so I would encourage it. And now for a quick break. From discounts to exclusive content, APTA offers more membership benefits than ever before. But you can't take advantage of all these benefits if you don't know what's available. So visit APTA.org benefits and start maximizing your membership today. Now let's return to the show. So I'm partly asking this question out of my own curiosity, but in your expert opinion, are more people experiencing all these things we've been talking about, stress, burnout, anxiety, uh, currently than maybe they were a few decades ago? Or is it just a matter of we as a society are talking about these things more so they feel more prevalent? Right. Um, that's a great question. And I would say there's sort of two camps uh, um, on that topic. It, you know, the ones that you, that you both, that you delineated. Um, I, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. I tend to think that generally um, we, you know, th this is part of the human condition and things that we've, you know, society's been experiencing for years and years. Um, you know, I think there's a tendency to say, like, well, things are harder now. Um, but really, if you think, you know, evolutionarily, there's been times when things have 
have been really um really horrible in in other ways or where you you know you weren't sure if you were going to be safe one day to the next um which obviously some people still experience but um so i guess i tend to think that they're probably it's probably pretty consistent um i do feel that um with technology and social media and there's been studies done around this um rates have increased and and i think that's been so recent that I tend to attribute that more to the impact of social media. And I've just seen um, the effect that that's had on my clients and, you know, people in my personal life, too. I think it's um, that has increased depression and anxiety. So hard to say. I mean, it's a little of both of, of what you brought up. Laura, do you agree that if you're not taking care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, how can you really take care of someone else to your fullest potential? So I'm thinking about students who will be future clinicians or new grads who are out there now. If you're experiencing burnout or anxiety, you name it, how can you possibly take care of your patients fully? Do you have thoughts on that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that is um, such a basic component of all the helping professions um, that you do have to take care of yourself before you know, you can take care of patients. And I think, you know, sometimes that's actually what ends up getting students into my office is, you know, maybe they're not really as concerned about their own process, but they're thinking, um, you know, how can I take care of patients when I'm going through this myself? Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like even more reason to seek support. And that doesn't always mean counseling. Um, you know, that can be friends and family. That can be, you know, whatever self-care um, students like to do, whether that's physical or watching a movie or, you know, getting extra sleep or whatever is needed. Um, being aware of what those things are for you. Um, and I, I think that's a really important piece of um piece of self-care is that I think people feel like it needs to be done a certain way, like it has to be physical activity or it has to be X, Y, and Z, but it's more like just what actually feels good to you and what helps you unwind and detach um, from from your patients because that's a skill too. And, um, you know, we often get into these professions because we really care about other people, um, but if we hold on to that too tightly, um, we can't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of our patients, so it's not really good for anyone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this whole piece of taking care of ourselves is just extremely important. Um, I think it can feel, especially for people in our profession, it can feel, I've heard people talk about it as selfish, um, like indulgent, um, but it's really not. It's so essential to our own well-being and the well-being of our patients and clients. Um, and, I mean, the other thing I, I would think about, too, is, you know, I'm the director here, and self-care and, um, you know, avoiding burnout is so important to me, and it's important um, to me that my staff practices it. So I am constantly communicating that to them and providing different ways um, for them to exercise that self-care and also, 
to create healthy boundaries. So my staff knows if um, they're really at their limit with something, they can come to me and we can talk about it. And, um, you know, maybe they don't see another patient that day or, you know, we figure out how to handle it. So I realize that's not the case in all environments, but I would say as students are looking, um, I know this is hard to do when you're looking for your sort of first job because you just feel like you'll, you'll take whatever you can get, but to, to sort of evaluate the environment in that way and, and you know, talk to the people working there. What What is their experience there? Is there an opportunity um, for, you know, the creation of mutual boundaries or is it all just like, you know, you're there and you just get however many patients your boss tells you, and there's kind of no communication around that. So I think um, those are important things to think about, you know, in applying to jobs, too. Okay, so similarly, your patients are coming into you in pain, with ailments, and so often it's not just physical, but they're communicating about life stuff, too, emotional stuff. How do these clinicians and future clinicians make sure they aren't absorbing, for lack of a better word, other people's stuff? Yeah, that's such a good, that's a really good question. I think, um, yeah, certain professions, like even if they're not specifically counseling, just sort of like bring bring that out in patients. Um, well, I guess I, I would say two things. One is um, just to, again, be managing your own stuff, um, seeking support, being aware of, um, you know, what your triggers might be. I, I think that... Um, it's helpful for us to know, like, well, where are the areas where, you know, if if a patient starts talking about this, I'm going to feel really compelled to ask questions or to be supportive or, you know, and, and it's different for different people. So just kind of be aware of when you are pulled in. Um, I think also creating some of those boundaries um, at the beginning of a relationship with a patient. Um, so... I think this is sort of an art that develops over time, but just, you know, of course, like connecting with them and um, being warm and open, but basically just kind of communicating with the patients what you feel comfortable with because they might not know either and they might feel like, oh, you know, it's a person who's here to listen and I'm going to, um, you know, sh- share all this this other sort of unrelated stuff. And I think, you know, the clinicians have the opportunity to, you know, to figure out what feels comfortable for them and then communicate that with the patient. I know for um, counselors, we have, like, weekly supervision built in at the beginning um, of any job where they're checking in and they're sharing, you know, their most difficult um, clients with us so that we can help support them. So um, if that's not an automatic thing that's done in PT, I I would say, you know, finding someone, a supervisor or someone that that, – you can talk to about those things, seems like it would be really important. Okay, Laura, any last thoughts for our listeners? I, I would reiterate again just that that this is so normal and that, um, you know, a lot of these, these feelings that might now be anxiety or depression or burnout are really adaptive and or let's say they, they were adaptive for a long time and they helped you get to where you are and there's so many great um, things that have come out of these feelings, so so you might feel very attached to them. But just to be aware of when it feels like too much um, and if and when, 
you know, it gets unmanageable and to know that it, it does not have to be that way. Um, it can be easier. You can find support. Um, and, you know, we're so happy to to be here and to be that that support. Um, um, but there's no kind of prize for, you know, just gritting your teeth and, and getting through these programs miserably. You know, they can be less miserable. They can be enjoyable. And, you know, if this is something that you're wanting to do for the rest of your life, it's, it can be really helpful to get some skills around how to manage your own feelings that come up so that you can really, um, you know, take advantage of this career path rather than feeling like, you know, it, it's really difficult and painful the whole time. Um, I guess finally I would just say that, you know, I know and I know this personally as people in in caregiving professions, we're, we're used to giving ourselves um, to other people in a lot of ways and that it's certainly not selfish and, on the contrary, is really important that we extend the same amount of care to ourselves that we do to, you know, the other people in our personal lives and our professional lives. Um, we deserve that, you know, that same attention and support. Laura, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. I know our listeners will get a lot out of this conversation. Great. Wonderful. Happy to. ABC podcasts like this one are available on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apca.org slash podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.